Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Well, I'm about to see a speed message here. God decided he wanted to preach more than he wanted to hear me preach which I'm fully okay with. There's a couple people in this world that if they show up, they get the, they get the microphone. <clears throat> doesn't matter what point in the service they show up. My pastor, John Arnott, shows up at five minutes until service. Hey, you want to preach? John Arnott gets to preach, right? Like it's, he can walk into the middle of the service. Dan Slade, Dan Slade, uh, director of our uh, network, he shows up. Doesn't matter what I've prepared. If he wants to preach, he can preach. We add a third to that list here, God. If God shows up and he wants to do something, he gets to do something. Every plan that we write is in pencil, right? God has an eraser and he hands it to us and he tells us to use it because he gets to do whatever he wants to do. Amen? Amen? That's how you should run your life. So I'm going to uh, quickly go through this message. Hey, this is the final message in our Money Talks message series. <clears throat> and uh, I, 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 I want you to stay connected to Holy Spirit during this. Ah, ha. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Ha. I want you to stay connected to Holy Spirit. He's still moving. Ha. At the end of this, um, ha. At the end of this message, the Lord had put on my heart to pray for the... Um, to really just breaking any spiritual root of uh, poverty. And so we're going to, uh, I'm going to pray for everybody who wants prayer at the end of service. Amen. Listen, when one class, we all clap in this church. Amen. We don't leave anybody out in the cold. Come on. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to believe for breakthrough for some people today. Amen. Hallelujah. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is the curse of comparison. The curse of comparison. Ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am, I am. I am looking forward to this. I like being with God. I like it in my prayer time. I like it when I'm driving down the road. I like it when I'm alone, but if he's going to touch me when we're together, then so be it. Amen? I'm not, I'm not trying to tell God to stop so I can look good. I'm not trying to tell God to move out of the room so I can look good. God is not here to be my side piece. Amen? Are you with me? He's not my trophy wife who makes me look good. Right? I'm the ugly wife he chose to marry, yet he still loves me. So we're working our way through the book of Acts. We find ourselves in Acts chapter 5 today. It's where we've been most of the week, most of the last three weeks. Uh, this, is one of the, this is one of the craziest stories in the New Testament. Well, probably not crazier than Revelation, but... It's, uh, it's crazy in what Paul's writings, right? Acts chapter 5, we're going to start in uh, verse 1. Amen? It says, and now, a man named Ananias, and if we remember, there was a revival that broke out in Acts chapter 4, and uh, part of this revival is people took care of one another. Part of this revival was great power. They preached the gospel with boldness, and there was great giving that began to happen. Uh, and then we started hearing about individuals who were selling property and laying it at the apostles' feet. And this picks up the story in verse, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 5, starting 
Wow. In verse 1, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? Have you not lied to, you have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell, mm, fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came on all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. Wow. Then his wife shows up. And the same thing happens to her. They ask her, hey, did you guys hold back to any money or did you, did you just give all of it? She's like, oh, no, no, we gave it all. And then she died. And they carried her out and they buried her. I think it's important in this story that they talk about they buried her because there was no redemption. There was no repentance for them. There was no recovery. They buried them. In Acts 5.11, the most, one of the most understated verses in the books of Acts, and great fear came over <laughs> the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Let me tell you this. For those of you who feel called to ministry, this is not a good church growth strategy right here. <laughs> if you're going to pray that people who aren't faithful in their tithes and offerings die, this is not a good church growth strategy. This is... As, as much as it may uh, you know, hurt your heart that people aren't faithful to God and they lie to Him about their finances, when you kill them, they can never give, right? <laughs> and they're not going to bring their friends. <laughs> and their family are not coming. We never see Peter repeat this uh, pattern at all in the New Covenant. As a matter of fact, we see him trying to get a little control over his temper. When we have great anointing, we have great power. And we can use that power however we want. And that power can lead us to bring great glory for God and great uh, fruit for our family. And that power can be used as an extension of our own emotions if we so choose. And uh, the first point of this whole story is it's, if we're going to walk in the power of God, we've got to get our heart right. We've got to get our heart right. There's a lot of crazy, crazy doctrines out there from very anointed people. And the gifts and call of God are without repentance. And so there's power behind these false teachings because there's powerful people behind them. So just because someone operates, let me just tell this to you. And, and I tell you this because I feel like we're going to see many great things in the, in soon coming to this church. And um, just because somebody, here, let me say it this way. A man of God cries out for God, cries out for his, or a woman, I, I use that gender neutral, cries out for the presence and power of God. They begin to operate in miracles, signs and wonders. Amazing things begin to happen through their ministry. And then people say, hey, since God is using you, why don't you preach? And so then they have to come up with a doctrine for why God is using them. And sometimes they get it right. And sometimes they don't. The Bible says that he confirms the doctrine with signs and wonders. The doctrine he's confirming is that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. 
that he never sinned, that he was murdered for our transgressions, that he rose from the dead on the third day, and that he's coming back again. And right now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. That is the doctrine that is being confirmed with signs and wonders, that Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. I need you to hear that. I need you to get that. It's super, super important that you understand that. If someone does signs and wonders and they preach some other doctrine, that sign is not preaching anything other than that Jesus Christ has conquered death. That is what that is confirming. Are you, are you hearing me? Are you with me? Don't be led astray by people with, with funny doctrines who can do signs and wonders. What they're confirming is that Jesus Christ is God. Not that I am amazing and everything I say is infallible. Amen. <clears throat> and so we find that God uses some people with issues like you, like me. That should bring great comfort to you that you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to understand everything for God to use you. You don't have to have it all figured out and you don't have to defend it. Well, why did God do this and that, that? I don't know, but God is good. Why did he heal that one and he didn't heal this one? No, no, no. He healed that one because he's good. I don't know why that one didn't get healed, but the fact that that one got healed shows that God is good. Yeah. If I were to ask you, if 100 people had cancer, would you be happy if one of them didn't die of cancer? I'm not looking at the 99, I'm looking at the one. God healed somebody who should have died of cancer. And if you'll stare at the one, you'll see the one multiplied. <clears throat> You stare at the times you didn't see God come through, then that will be multiplied in your life. But if you focus on the testimony of the times that he did move, that will be multiplied in your life. <clears throat> That's a free one. That wasn't even part of the message right there. But I feel like the Lord is talking to some people. Are we okay? I'm, I'm like, the presence of God is here, and I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what we see is, you remember the end of Acts chapter 4, which, wow, we talked about it last week. Remember Barnabas? We talked about Barnabas last week. Anybody remember? Yes. Anybody paying attention last week? We talked about Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. And we, we learned that he sold a plot of land and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this is kind of remarkable in that um, nobody else was, was singled out as having done something. And so we know there was something remarkable about the fact, whoa, mm, yeah, not done yet, Duke. Not done yet, Duke. So we know there's something remarkable <clears throat> about Barnabas having done it. Now, here's the problem. Ananias and Sapphira saw that Barnabas sold this plot of land, and we can assume that they kind of wanted some of the credit that Barnabas was getting. So here's Barnabas. He's a, he was a priest. Uh, he was a Levite, and uh, obviously he'd been converted. He sold land, and now maybe he's maybe where Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be. Maybe you got saved and God touched you and then somebody got, you know, six months ago, got right with God and all of a sudden they're getting all the popularity you thought you should have deserved. I don't know if that, that probably doesn't happen to anybody in this church, but someone's getting the favor that you feel like you deserve and you start figuring out, God, why are you favoring them and not me? I have found that um, when God is favoring someone, it's probably not a good strategy to be angry about God doing that. Um, because what we really want is God to favor us. And so we need to honor God's favor because his will is perfect. 
<clears throat> and so we see Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted to feel as important as Barnabas was. You know, we all want to feel important. And they wanted to feel important. They wanted the adulation. And so they came up with a plan. They say, we'll sell some land and we'll get what Barnabas got. And this is the lie of mammon that we talked about last week. Remember, mammon promises us things that only God can give. Mammon promises things only God can give. Promises security, significance, identity. And they thought that they could buy favor with the people by giving some money. Now, of course, their heart wasn't right, so they didn't want to give all the money. Because they weren't actually acting in faith. They were acting out of self-interest. If you're acting out of faith, then you would give it all. If you're acting out of self-interest, you've got to save some for yourself. <clears throat> Jesus talked about this, and uh, Matthew records it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus said, beware of practicing... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is heaven. Now listen, this is the reward you want. The reward you want is the reward that only God can give you. <clears throat> if you can work it up yourself, it is not going to satisfy. If you can produce it with your money, it's not going to satisfy. If you can get other people to do it for you, it is not going to satisfy. What you want is a reward from God. <clears throat> but what happens is, <clears throat> what happens is we don't actually trust God at times. We trust ourselves. And so everything that we gave God, he's not doing it the way that we thought he should do it. And so we kind of start taking control of it ourselves and using our natural means to get what only God can give. And then we call that faith. But it's not faith. You cannot work your way into God's plan. You can only surrender your way into God's plan. You cannot manipulate your way into God's plan. <clears throat> you can only lay down your life into God's plan. God is looking for more of you. And if you're wondering why things aren't happening, there's maybe part of you that you've held back. And if you're a little bitter that he hasn't moved the way you've wanted him to move, the bitterness can only land on a place that you've not given to God. It's called a stronghold of the enemy. And that can only live in a place that you've not surrendered. <clears throat> Amen? Amen. Listen, <clears throat> we're going to say this together. We're going to say something together. Are you ready? I'm going to say it, and then we're going to say it together. My emotions were created to make my life more enjoyable. I was not created to serve them. I am the master. They are the servant. I control my emotions. They don't control me. When your emotions run the day, you do all kind of things to serve your emotions. We do all kind of crazy things to serve our emotions. I'm feeling insecure, so I need to control the situation around me so I can feel secure. Problem is, only God can make you feel secure. I'm feeling insignificant, so I have to do all kind of things to make myself look more significant to other people. Problem is, you're not any more significant than you were before, but now you have put out a falsehood that you have to maintain, serving your emotions. But we're all going to say this together, and we're going to mean it in this presence of God. Amen? Are you ready? We're going to speak to our emotions right now. You ready? 
Let's say it together. My emotions were created to make my life more enjoyable. I was not created to serve them. I am the master. They are the servant. I control my emotions. They don't control me. Amen? Amen. I feel like we should say it one more time. Ready? Say it with conviction. Come on, ready? My emotions. Amen. 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 It's like giving a two-year-old the control of the house. You ever go to a house where they don't control the two-year-old? It's miserable. You don't want to go back there. Now, I'm not talking about a two-year-old acting like a two-year-old. I'm talking like a two-year-old who thinks they're the boss and everybody treats them like they are. It's, It's not enjoyable. Am I the only one? This is not enjoyable. They're selfish. They don't know any better. They think the world revolves around them. And if you don't tell them differently, they'll have you all acting like your emotions have you acting to serve them. Doing all crazy, stupid things. Like you can actually make them act better by doing what they say. Your emotions don't start screaming less if you serve it. It only wants more. Like a two-year-old. It's never good enough. Amen? You can never do good enough for a two-year-old. Am I right? Does anybody raise a two-year-old? You can never serve them enough. Why? Because selfishness cannot be appeased. Takers can never take enough. Givers can never give enough. Two-year-olds are takers. It's all they know. They don't know any better, right? They don't know any better. We do. Our emotions will cause us to be extremely selfish and do things that are ungodly. And so we can do just like amazing stuff. Like, is there anything wrong with Ananias and Sapphira giving part of the sale of their land? No. Peter even said that to him. Hey, listen, while you owned it, you could have done whatever you wanted with it. But you lied to God. You wanted to be somebody you weren't. no matter how good, whatever you're doing, if it's not for God, it's, 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 it's corrupt. The sin of pride corrupts every good work. The sin of pride corrupts every good work. You can have, you can be an amazing worship leader leading people into the presence of God. But as soon as you think it's about you, it's corrupted. God is using you in the midst of your pride. The whole world is being touched with what you're doing. But you get no reward in heaven. Because it was all about you. You already got your reward. And when when we're doing things to be admired by people and to be seen as somebody special, the only reward we get is what we get. We get no reward from God. We don't get the the peace that that God brings. We don't get the prosperity that only God can bring. We, We don't get the abundance. We don't get the security. Because we got the praise of the crowd. Now, some people need to stay hidden to keep themselves from living in pride. And and if that's what it takes, I hope nobody ever discovers your good works. I would rather you be rich in heaven than on earth. But there's something about getting 
adulation, getting credit, getting praise, and just giving it to God. Just taking it, going in your back room, getting on your knees and giving it to God. That's his will for your life. Oh, I'm running out of time. You guys, the, whole, the anointing's got me going down nine different bunny trails here this morning. I hope you're getting something out of this. <clears throat> what we found happened in the body of Christ is it, it's, it's, it's really a gospel of greed. We go from asking God for provision to asking permission to experience the luxuries of life as a reward for good behavior. We go from asking God for provision to asking permission to experience the luxuries of life as a reward for good behavior. I'm so amazing, God, I deserve a mansion. I've been so amazing, God, I deserve the $10,000 watch. Don't I? It's a gospel of greed. And we hold on to these false gospels, these false doctrines, because it gives us a sense of control in life. And we desperately want to be in control. We desperately want power over our world. The only problem is Christianity is about <clears throat> giving up power and laying down our life. You cannot walk in the power of God and the power of control. <clears throat> God will not be controlled. <clears throat> now, let me say this, whether you love President Trump or you hate President Trump, too many Christians have deified him <clears throat> in that God will shake that idol. He will shake that idol. He will not have a false Messiah on a throne of our hearts. So as a turmoil happens, and I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And the church wants to point fingers. It is the church that has made a man a deity on the earth. <clears throat> and this idolatry will fall. God will have his bride. <clears throat> yeah, the, amen. <clears throat> the church was awesome at, at, at pointing out people deifying President Obama. And he's our savior. He's, the, he's hope. But somehow we were completely blind to the next man being deified. God will have no rivals on the earth. Amen. That's just a little, it's a little freebie I just decided to throw out there. <clears throat> so we want control. We want control. We think our man is going to give us control, and he won't. He won't. We have to trust God. And so I have three quick points as I release you on time, and then I'm going to pray. Three quick points here. Are you ready? <clears throat> How we're going to walk in the presence and power of God. How we're going to walk in the presence and power of God for our finances. And what we're to learn out of this passage of scripture here in Acts chapter 5. Number one, surrender to God's will for your life. Surrender to God's will for your life. And you might say, but I don't know God's will for my life. I, I, don't, I don't know. Let me, let, me, let me help you out with that right now. Are you ready? You're not going to be confused about this ever again after this. I am going to clear this up in a way that every person will never say again, I just don't know God's will for my life. Ready? Okay, when you surrender to God's will, it may be his will not to tell you. And if you surrender, that means he's in control and you have no need to know.
That's what surrender looks like. When you're on the battlefield and the enemy's coming, you wave the white flag. And they're like, are you surrendering? Well, it depends. Where are we going? That's not surrender. That's not surrender. That's you trying to stay in control. God, I'll surrender to your plan as long as you clear it with me first. He just doesn't play that game. He's like, I can wait as long as you can. <clears throat> I'm from everlasting to everlasting. <clears throat> I'm outside of time. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 7. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, <clears throat> when, 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 when we... <laughs> When we're in the sin of comparison, we cannot have the peace of God in our lives. When Ananias and Sapphira thought that Barnabas was getting something that they deserved, they compared themselves and they figured that what Barnabas had is probably what God has for them. And so I need to help God out to get it to me. Is, is that? <clears throat> in this sin of comparison, comparison never works well for the believer. It never works well. If, you're, if you look at somebody and you think you're behind them, then you get bitter because you believe you deserve more. If you think you're ahead of somebody, pride will make you think that you're better than them. Comparing yourself to other people never <clears throat> speaks well. It never does well for us. We can't compare ourselves to other people. We have no idea where God is bringing us. Remember, we surrendered that right when we got saved. <clears throat> Philippians 4.11, Paul says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. This discontentment robs us of everything God has for us because we're not content with anything he's given us. We believe we deserve more, or at least as much as the next guy. Number two, <clears throat> my second point to keep comparison in the cancer that it brings at bay. Number two, Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. Listen, what, what, what God told you to do originally may not be producing the fruit you thought it was going to produce. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Don't stop doing it because you think you need to come up with a better plan. Yeah. <laughs> Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it or observe it. <clears throat> blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. I want you to let you know he is at work in every area of your life. Hallelujah. He is at work in every area of your life, whether you see it there or not. It would be so much more fruitful instead of saying, man, I see God at work in my ministry and in my prayer life and in my work life, but not in my marriage. It would be better to say God is at work in my life. God doesn't compartmentalize. It's not like he's got one angel in charge of your work and you got one angel in charge of your marriage and one angel in charge of your ministry and the ministry angel's kind of lazy so your ministry is not doing so well. No, no. God is just God. If you see him at work in your life, it's going to touch every area. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, where he's moving well, you probably need to sow more into that because that's where the wellspring is coming from. Don't curse where the water hasn't gotten yet. Try to make the water rise where it is. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. If, if we need water in the restrooms, on the floor of the restrooms, and we only have water here in the office, we need more water in the office so it flows to the restroom. Yeah. Right? So some of y'all, the, 
Dirty areas of your life need more water. You need to increase it where, it's, where, where God is moving. Amen? That's a good word, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I like that one. Watch this. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 6. says, God will render to each person according to his deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for the glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Let's read that one more time. God will render each person according to his deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. God is at work and he's moving through your good deeds and you don't have to manipulate him to increase your finances. Here's what you do need to do. Put up my next slide if you would. You need to allow God to deal with your fear and insecurity. Allow God to deal with your pride. Allow God to deal with your need for control. These are prayers you may need to pray. Instead of when you feel out of control and you don't feel like you can control things around you, say, God, give me peace, give me peace. You might need to pray things like, Lord, it freaks me out that I can't control what's happening right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I give it to you. Whether it crashes or whether it takes off, I give it to you. I give you authority over the situation. I don't try to hold on to authority. I give it to you. I'm very scared that this is not going to work out well. But if it doesn't work out well, I'm trusting you. I'm very scared that I'm not going to look amazing to everybody around me. But if that's your will for my life, I release that to you. Right? Anxiety is rooted in a need for control. And learning how to exhibit more control is not going to solve it. I'm anxious because I can't control things. I better learn how to control them. That, this is, that's not going <clears> to... <throat> Amen? When I'm feeling anxious, it's not because, you know, I need to learn how to control these things happening around me better so I won't feel anxious. No. That's your body realizing... I mind, I see you're trying to control things, and it's impossible. I'm giving up. <laughs> I'm waving the white flag. I give up. Like, you're like, but what are you doing? We got to be in control. Your body's like, yeah, we can't actually do that anymore. I'm like, we need this heart to last. <laughs> Amen? It's like a warning light going off, and you're a pilot in a plane, and there's a buzzing sound, and there's a light, and you think, I, I need to learn how to break that light. I need to learn how to... It's like, look at that engine fire light is on. How do we get rid of this light? Because it's scaring me. No, we need to deal with the engine fire. Anxiety is the warning system. You are trying to control things. You are incapable of controlling. There's a problem here. Just learn. Just, just at some point, they just, just start telling me, you know, I just don't do things well. I just, and then you don't have to worry about them finding out. You don't have to worry about it finding out. People are going to find out I'm not that amazing. Well, just start telling them. Yeah. <laughs> that you don't have to worry about them finding out. I'm not as amazing as you might think. You're going to find people saying, I didn't think you were amazing. Oh, I don't have anything. I don't have any image to keep up. I hope you're getting something out of this. All right, we're almost done here. Number three. 
Ha. Watch God move in your life. Philippians 4.19. Mikey, come on up. Philippians 4.19. Paul writes, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Did, did you hear that? I will supply all your needs. Now, this is Paul in Philippians talking about, I have served God without pay. And at times without food, just so that no one can say we did this for money. I've learned that when I have a lot of money, I can be happy. And I've learned that when I have no money, I can be happy. I have learned that God will supply all my needs. You will not learn that God will be the one who gives you peace that surpasses understanding until you actually surrender your own ability to bring peace. As long as you think you can supply your need, God can't. So we actually have to die. We actually have to die. We have to actually die and serve people who are below us. Because it's good for our pride. Now I want to pray for you. Because I want you to remember that it is God who gives you the power to make wealth. <clears throat> I believe the Lord is raising up revivalists in this house and they're going to have to learn. <clears throat> I'm just going to say it like it is. Uh, we got a lot of wealthy conference speakers. And I don't know that the Lord is raising up wealthy conference speakers in this house. I believe he's raising up kingdom people. Um, and I believe he's doing a work of faith in people in this house of learning to be able to say I, I know what it's like to be broke in God coming through there is a work of faith that God does in your poverty there is a work of faith that he does in your poverty there is a work of faith that God does in your lack <clears throat> And if you are constantly trying to control everything, God can never show himself mighty. I don't know why I keep hitting this, but my friends who have gotten victory in anxiety, they came to a place to say, wow, I really can't control how people see me. And when they come to that revelation and they accept the fact that they may be socially poor is when God comes in and gives them peace. <clears throat> There's people that um, you're never going to get out of debt until you rip up all your credit cards and say, if I don't have any food to eat, I'm not going to have food to eat, but I'm going to stop going in debt to try to control my finances. There's people that he's just not going to work in your poverty until you say, I'll work any job that's available to me. No matter how low, no matter how demeaning it is, I'm going to allow God to work in my finances. <clears throat> I've been, I've done well, and I've been broke. And it's funny when you go from broke to doing well, your needs change. Does anybody notice that? Your needs change. Before, twist the sea and get some water was okay. All of a sudden, you need some fancy water. And when you go from doing well to broke, 
you still think your needs are where you were when you were doing well. And then you start learning things like, I don't actually need $3 water. The water out of the tap is just fine. But people in America get in bondage because they compare themselves to people who can afford the Fiji water. And so while they're broke, they're still getting $4 coffees. Got a $150 cable package. And trying to look good to the people around them. Instead of holding value in the fact that, hey, I'm paying my bills every month. I'm managing well what God has given me. Hey, you want to go out to dinner? We're eat-at-home kind of people. You want to bring some food over and we'll barbecue together? We have to surrender our need to look good to other people. There are nations counting on you learning this lesson. There are tribes and villages that are waiting for you, are waiting for people to show up and say, I don't need to be a, a, a famous conference speaker with $50,000 honorariums. The Lord has spoken to me and I'm going to go to this village and I'm not sure how I'm going to make it, but I have learned. I have learned that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Gosh, I'm, I'm going late, but give me one more second. Go back to Philippians 4.11, would you please? He says, not that I speak from one, for I have, what's that say? I've learned to be content. And for many of us, that's a process. It's a process of learning to be content. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. And if you're stuck in a, in a circumstance you don't like right now, I would pray you out of it, but God is teaching you to learn to be content. Some of you is learning, he's teaching you to learn to be content in your marriage, teaching you to learn to be content in your financial situation, learning to be content in your level of fame. You have to learn to be content. If you need your circumstances to change in order for you to be content, then you're actually worshiping your circumstances. What we need to worship is God. So stand with me. I want to pray for you out of Deuteronomy 8.18. Shakaraba. Shakaraba. Now, I'm going I'm to pray for everybody, but if you are stuck in cycles of poverty, I want to lay hands on you this morning after I pray for everyone. And we're going to have photos taken right in that room. If you want your Christmas photos taken, I think we should have some family, another family photo of Christmas taken. Why not? Why are here? Uh, but let me pray for you first. I want to declare this over you. But if you're stuck in poverty, cycles of poverty, I want to lay hands on you, but I want you to know that um, my prayer is that you learn to be content so that God can move in your finances. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant, which He swore to you, to your fathers, as it is this day. So I tell you, in the midst of your lack, you shall remember the Lord your God. You shall remember the Lord your God. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the matchless name of the Lord, here we go, Ah, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, I pray, I pray, I pray for the people of this house, I pray that they would have faith in their finances, that they would be extravagant givers that they would be wealthy in generosity I pray that they would hold on to the promise that you supply all their needs and I pray that they would learn to take other needs as their own other people's needs as their own other countries needs as their own other people's needs as their own, other villages' needs as their own. I pray in the name of Jesus that they will be able, through faith, ha, through faith, to be the breakthrough that someone is waiting for. I command, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every spirit of infirmity that would bind them to poverty, I declare the blood of Jesus is against you. And I break its power in the name of Jesus. I break the idolatry of wealth in the name of Jesus. I break the idolatry in the lie of mammon in the name of Jesus. That money is going to make you happier or make you feel more secure. I break it off your lives and I release the ability to release wealth to other people. I release the ability to receive God's provision and to be a source of breakthrough for other people. I release in the name of Jesus the finances of heaven through your life. In the name of Jesus. Ha. And all God's people said, amen. We give a clap offering to the Lord for all he did today. Ha. Now, as my, uh, as my prayer team comes forward, don't forget we have some uh, pictures, Christmas photos being taken right in that room. Also, um, ha, I'll be in the lobby in a moment. I'd like to pray for, I'd like to meet anybody who's visiting. And uh, if you want uh, me to pray for you, I want to quickly just lay hands on people. The prayer team will minister to you. I want to quickly lay hands. So you can just line up in the front. I want to pray any, any person who feels like there's a, a cycle of poverty over your life that I can break off. Bless you. Thanks for coming. In Jesus' name. Amen.